John Andercheck. I'm recording on 11, excuse me, 12 for December 4th, just a little over a month since our big election. Recording from my home in Idaho County, Idaho. Joining me today is, uh, I consider a friend and a comrade, a lifelong political and union labor activist and leader, Dan McCory, Dan's out of California. So we're going to talk about a number of things here. Uh, we're going to look at what went down in California, uh, the big propositions, and uh, get uh, Dan's overall uh, perspective on uh, the landscape we're going to be facing. So Dan, thanks for joining me, uh, and I'm just going to turn it right over to you. Great. Uh, well, uh, California is known for its uh, initiative process. It was developed way back under a um, a governor named Hiram Johnson, and uh, it's a way for, it was meant to be, let's put it that way, it was meant to be a way for a regular citizens to get laws passed that maybe the uh, legislature was not paying attention to. Uh, but unfortunately, it's been taken over by uh, corporate interests, and uh, the original uh, reason for having an initiative process has gone by the wayside. So, uh, but uh, it still allows people to weigh in on certain issues, but uh, when there's big money coming in from uh, vested interests, then uh, they tend to uh, rule the day as far as the way the, the vote uh, comes out. And one of those happens to be Proposition 22, uh, which was uh, a, uh, a way for uh, the uh, services like Uber and Lyft to carve out a special uh, uh, section of the law that would uh, keep their um, employees um, contractors rather than actual employees. Like, so they end up not paying anything within the workers' comp system and uh, money into uh, uh, the things that, that uh, employees are entitled to. Uh, Proposition 22 started as a uh, bill in the state assembly. Uh, it was called AB5, and AB5 had created a... Uh, and, or they called an ABC test to determine whether a, a group of people working for that company were employees or contractors. And it's um, that process got re uh, reimagined just uh, about a month later in Assembly Bill 2257. And all this time, uh, the Uber and Lyft folks were trying to fight fight it through the nail. And we were prevailing, we being the, the working class and labor unions. Uh, we were prevailing because a lot of uh, companies have been using this to exploit workers, this whole uh, shadow area that uh, is uh, the contractor um, uh, way of doing things. And so uh, what happened was uh, after they failed on AB5 and then AB2257, they uh, brought the issue to the voters uh, through the initiative process, putting uh, about $200 billion of their own money into making sure that it uh, did not pass in California. And sure enough, uh, their commercials, uh, which were on uh, almost uh, nonstop, it seemed, uh, in, uh, were, were very effective because they showed Uber and Lyft drivers saying, I like this freedom, I don't want to, be locked into this whole thing, and, and uh, I, I uh, ask you to vote uh, against, uh, uh, in favor of AB, uh, I mean, um, Proposition 
22 so that uh, we can uh, keep our independence. And it was very effective, and uh, the results in the count uh, were uh, 59 in favor of, of, of uh, Prop 22, 41% against. So it was uh, overwhelmingly um, passed in the state of California. And a lot of things are going to happen because it was passed. And uh, what uh, the California State Federation of Labor uh, feared would come to pass is uh, already happening in other states. They're, they're taking those that template and they're uh, working it in other states to try to get uh, the employee status overturned and uh, make all their employees, uh, non-employees, contractors, and uh, that's going to have a, a big effect on uh, other businesses in that arena. So uh, we're really concerned about that. Another big one in California was Prop, Proposition 15. Uh, we have uh, commonly called it the split roll tax. Uh, Proposition 13, which was passed back in the uh, late 60s, I believe, uh, said that uh, that they were trying to protect elderly people who were losing their home because their uh, uh, taxes were on uh, their homes were so so drastically, and uh, elderly were losing their homes left and right. So what happened, again, big business decided that they're part of the, of the Proposition 13, too. So, for instance, uh, my former company, AT&T, was able to keep paying the same low taxes on their buildings, even though they officially changed hands from AT&T to Pacific Bell to SBC back to AT&T. And uh, they've, they've never had their taxes raised uh, like they should have been. Uh, so that's a corporate loophole that's been there uh, for a long, long time. And uh, people just have this knee-jerk reaction to anything having to do with the former Proposition 13. So anytime it's brought up, the, your uh, chances of getting something passed, whether it be negative or positive, uh, are, are nil because people are going to vote it down because that's their sacred cow. Other issues, let's see. Um, there was a move to bring back uh, the affirmative action, and that was uh, lost 43 to 57. So uh, 43% in favor of that, but uh, 57 overwhelmingly uh, kept it from being uh, uh, come, coming back. Um, uh, the, uh, the right to, res uh, to vote after getting out of prison passed significantly. Uh, and uh, let's see, there were a, a lot of things having to do with uh, payroll restrictions and the 17-year-old vote. 17 year, uh, years old, the, the initiative was that 17-year-old, if they were going to turn 18 by the time of the general election, that they could vote at the age of 17 in the primary election. And uh, that actually did not pass. So um, it was 44 to 56. So uh, where things passed, um, it was close. And where they didn't pass, it was a really wide market. So a lot of work went into uh, various uh, companies to make sure that they're able to draw this line. Proposition 23 was um, one that's uh, come up uh, numerous times. Uh, the folks at SEIU uh, who uh, manage uh, clinics for kidney dialysis and things like that, I have been trying to get a law passed that said that if you're going to run a kidney dialysis office, you need to have a, a doctor or someone with a, 
uh, ability to dispense uh, medicines uh, to be there at all times in case there's a problem. People, uh, patients have actually bled out, bled to death because there was no uh, attending physician at the time. And uh, SEIU has seen this as a dangerous issue for a long time. But uh, again, the right money came in, the right commercials, uh, right message was put out there, and the um, uh, state voters uh, voted overwhelmingly to uh, not uh, insist on having a physician assistance there. Yeah, a lot of things there. And again, you know, uh, workplace issues don't end at the, or start or end at the work. Uh, Dan, as you know, is uh, better than I, I, a lot of those impacted uh, workers. Prop 22, uh, the gig economy, uh, I'll borrow the words from uh, uh, a labor leader up in South Dakota, uh, 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 how he put it, you know, we're told it's the gig economy, uh, but it's the exploitation economy. A lot of disinformation there. No one was, you know, a lot of people work two jobs. There would have been no restriction in a person uh, working for another job unless the companies are then given this free reign of non-competition and all, which is a whole nother issue. Uh, Prop 13, you know, you and I remember those days. To me, that was a tip of the spear uh, while there was a genuine uh, issue with uh, folks that bought their homes maybe in the 1940s, 1950s, before California really started to boom as uh, homes around them sold at two or three, four times what they paid. Their taxes went up, uh, but it was a blunt instrument. But in my opinion, it was a tip of the spear really to undermine civil society, uh, the re, uh, real uh, kind of a forefront for the Reagan era. The end of big government is over, uh, Dan. Uh, and, you know, one thing we did talk about going back to 22, which passed so strongly, uh, 60% in favor of it. And I'm just going to throw out how I look at it, but I want your perspective. You have much more depth and knowledge, lifelong experience. I see it as a real shift in uh, the Democratic uh, Party's demographics, because in a state that went strongly for Biden, still is blue, um, uh, the Democratic message, say from Clinton on, of this economic, conservative, cultural, liberal, I think, uh, shines a light on how people could kind of, in effect, split their ticket on that, uh, though not for candidates necessarily, but for uh, propositions versus political offices. But I want your take. There's definitely a strong corporate influence in California. Uh, one uh, proposition I didn't bring up was Proposition 1, which also shows the uh, effect that it's uh, a corporate uh, interference with our election process. Uh, there was attempts to bring back uh, rent control for into municipalities to allow them to have the ability, if they so chose, to uh, implement rent control in a particular city. And uh, the, it went down resoundingly, again, uh, 60% against. And uh, that's because they did their homework and they uh, have... Uh, been successful in other states, and in fact, in this one for a long time, there was a law called Costa Hawkins, which was passed a many uh, a couple of decades ago, that said that um, that uh, people were losing money because um, they couldn't raise their rent uh, to um, 
And, but what they neglected to let everybody know was that most of these are now run by corporations, these these rental agencies. And so um, they, they painted it again as, as uh, hurting Ma and Pa, but it was actually a way of them to be able to keep raising uh, rents. And uh, as you know, California is one of the most expensive places to live. So that and the issue of uh, carving out their own uh, special area uh, within the uh, state law that uh, Uber and Lyft were able to accomplish shows uh, that, uh, yes, the party likes the big dollars, likes the money that is infused into the different uh, um, candidates' uh, runs here in the state, and and uh, nobody seems to have, well, let's put it this way, not too many people seem to have a problem with taking uh, money from uh, special interests uh, like uh, corporations. On the other hand, uh, my special interests, working people, seem to be getting short shrift when it comes to, again, the initiative process and also um, a lot of the uh, bread and butter issues that are so important to the uh, co- uh, continued uh, uh, prosperity of, of uh, the middle and working classes. Right, Dan. So then, I, I'm, again, I'm speaking with Dan McCorry, a lifelong political and union activist and leader. He's joining me from his home in California. And this is John Andrzejczyk. Uh, I'm recording this for both a radio show and a podcast, both named Labor Lines. Uh, so, Dan, uh, uh, so it sounds to me like, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, that you and I disagree to this point. I feel that while the $200 million spent on Prop 22, which stripped the basic rights of workers in the gig economy, which... Uh, and I'm more than willing to criticize the Democratic Party when I feel it's necessary, was actually implemented by the state California Democrats along with their unions. And so the Democrat Party put that into place. Uh, Uber, Lyft, DoorDash, etc., cetera, uh, who've all found a place with the Biden administration, uh, just to point that out, dropped 200 mil. I don't know that that would work out per vote, but it's probably pretty hefty. But I feel that... Um, are you saying everyone that uh, voted for 22 just uh, didn't understand what it was going to do to the gig workers? Or do you think there's, I think there's a component there that just don't care, that just feel like, you know, I want my Uber, I want my Lyft, it's about me, uh, these people made their bad choices, uh, they're they're going to, you know, if that's the work they got to find, that's the work they got to find. Uh, uh, so are we looking at this differently then? Do you assign it vastly to the money while well, I'm looking at more of a cultural or social uh, dilemma? Well, I think I think we're both right to a certain extent. I think the money uh, got them a, a lot of airtime on TV, and, uh, and and a lot of people didn't know about the issue. And here were these Uber and Lyft employees saying, "This is, I I work there. This is the way I want it to be." And they thought, "Well, why rock the boat if, if, if they're okay with it?" And um, they didn't realize that this was part of the whole broad uh, landscape, as you pointed out, of um, exploiting workers. And, and uh, I mean, they're they're. They're cutting their noses off to spite their faces because uh, they don't have uh, any kind of pension to look at down the road. And, and, and all they're doing is making money for today. I don't understand uh, people's um, point of view sometimes uh, when they're willing to uh, sacrifice 
things uh, for the short term. Right. And, you know, another thing when you said cutting their nose off, I also think that those who voted uh, for it, and I could see your point there, if they're constantly bombarded with these drivers saying it's uh, well, this is what they want, um, you know, you, it, if nothing else, that could give them kind of a get them off the hook as far as guilt, uh, which is important in, uh, in human nature. But uh, as far as cutting your nose off, on the other hand, those voting for it, uh, I think of the expression that came out of Germany after World War II. You know, when they came for the unions, I didn't care because I wasn't in a union. Uh, you know, when the unions are gone, Dan, uh, you know, these people that think they're safe, uh, you and I think will agree uh uh, you know, when that cup gets poured to the brim and we all got to drink it, uh, it's not going to be good, is it? Uh, no. Uh, and I've been doing some research recently on France's problems, of all things, uh, with the labor movement. And uh, they've been, uh, they're victims of their own success. And uh, they're, they're starting to lose uh, the labor unions, they're starting to lose their power because people have uh, been victims of their own success. They don't, see why they need to belong to a union because everything looks great. They don't realize that uh, uh, diligence and uh, oversight is, is something that you can't take away and expect things to keep running the way they're supposed to. And, uh, and that's what's happened in this country. I think we're down to less than 9% in the pri uh, private sector as far as uh, 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 labor unions uh, being involved with the day-to-day -day workforce. And the, the less people who are uh, members of uh, labor unions, uh, the less control they all have over their own destinies, whether it be uh, economic or um, uh, as far as uh, laws of uh, health and safety. It's really fundamental stuff. Absolutely. And we certainly see with COVID, while not perfect, those with a union card in their pocket, uh, be it grocery store uh, workers or others, uh, had a, a, a line of defense uh, as far as uh, safety compared to those kind of out on their own. Uh, so absolutely, uh, just to throw a little of my own personal experience in this, I worked for a lumber mill in northwest Montana 30, 20, 30 years ago, a private mill. Uh, it was surrounded at the time by three Louisiana Pacific mills, that, which were based out of California, but three mills there in Montana. When uh, the union settled their contract with LP, as we called it, Louisiana Pacific, uh, the owner of the family mill more or less matched it because he, he didn't want his uh, mill to go union. Uh, but when those unions would be gone, uh, he had no incentive, would he? No, that, that's one of the arguments that we've been making uh, for decades is the fact that uh, we may not be uh, in a particular industry 100%, uh, but we do affect uh, the standards of uh, pay and, and uh, those kinds of things for all workers in that particular industry because we are so pervasive. And you're right, that's going away, so where's our leverage now? Right. And, you know, you spoke about, um, uh, yeah, the victims of success, uh, you know, earlier on, before we got recording here, Dan, I threw the idea out, and I want your perspective again. Uh, you got far more depth than I in this, uh, but we're looking at a Democratic Party, represents 10 out of 10 wealthiest congressional districts in America, starting with Silicon Valley. 
Though, again, I, I'm more than willing to, to give praise or praises due. And it was the California Democratic Party that initiated these protections for these gig workers. Uh, but uh, we're seeing, I think it's 56 out of 60 of the wealthiest districts in America are Democratic. Um, I understand Biden didn't win one rural district. Um uh, Nicholas uh, Lemon, an article in The Atlantic, uh, spoke of a scenario where the parties could flip, uh, where the Republican Party would not necessarily be the party of labor, Big L, but could become the party of uh, workers. Uh, and you spoke of the need for actually a labor uh, party, a workers party in this country. Uh, so what's your take? I mean, could we see this flip or would it matter? And uh, and then go from there. And how would we establish a, a labor party? It would require a lot of money and a lot of muscle. And we'd have to find some champion uh, who um, probably would come from uh, the, uh, the richest part of uh, our population in order to have enough money to actually do anything. Somebody like a, a George Soros or a, or Bill Gates, or uh, you know, people I'm naming off are definitely um, rich people, but I don't think they're necessarily behind uh, building a labor party. Um, I think that uh, labor is—I'm uh, afraid that that uh, that ship has sailed. I'm really worried about that, and I think that if that's the case, then for the uh, foreseeable future, I'm talking decades. Uh, we're going to go have to go hat in hand to uh, get any uh, sort of uh, benefits or uh, pay raises of corporations. Something's got to give. And, and uh, I, I think that maybe uh, I'm going to say this, that maybe we should go back to our socialist roots to see. Uh, because then, I mean, you have a, a, an effective counterbalance against a laissez-faire and uh, lazy. Uh, the um, the pro um, corporate uh, mindset that's out there right now. I mean, if you talk to somebody who's not a member of a union, your next door neighbor, and say, uh, "My health care is paid for," they're they're going to say, "Well, you, you you shouldn't get that. I don't get that. Why should you get that?" And that used to that didn't used to be the mindset. It used to be that that's great for you. I'm going to get that too. And uh, but uh, now they've learned how to divide. In Congress, I think. Oh, I agree. And I, I'll borrow from Thomas Frank. Uh, that's the race to the bottom. Instead of saying uh, you should get that, too. It's like, no, uh, I'll pull I'll pull you down. And I think, uh, again, that uh, could be a victim of our own best success. I also feel it is uh, uh, from my perspective, from my uh, faith background, it's uh, the consequence of this hyper-individuality, this hyper-atomization of society, uh, hyper-individuality. Uh, I think it's a, a fundamental product, not a byproduct of the neoliberal capitalism where everything is financialized. All of humanity is financialized. Uh, it makes laissez-faire look uh, like child's play, in my opinion, Dan. Uh, so... Uh, so what we're probably going to have to see, Dan, you know, guys like us, we're up in the years. We worry about who's coming up behind us. Um, uh, you know, I, I feel we're going to have to um, uh, look at grassroots efforts and uh, uh, look at maybe small victories building the big ones. Well, your take. Uh, I agree that you're right. I am, uh, I, one of the reasons why I back 
Bernie Sanders instead of Joe Biden was uh, that he had these big, bold ideas. And he knew that uh, uh, baby steps to, is not working anymore. We need, uh, we need to make some drastic changes in the way that we uh, do business in this country amongst each other and with the rest of the world. And, and uh, that's why uh, the uh, Republicans seem to be moving towards the uh, little L labor because uh, uh, Trump was all for America first, and, but he didn't put unions up there. He was actually talking about American business first. And uh, that's where the disconnect was for the uh, uh, regular folks. And uh, I'm afraid that a lot of them haven't caught on to that distinction yet. Now, that's a good point. But I will say one thing about Trump and, and uh is uh, ham-handed as ineffectual it was, he at least put global trade on the board. Before that, it was a solid wall by both uh, Republicans and Democrats that that model could not be um, challenged. I mean, it was Obama that was pushing for the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And um, if Sanders knocked that down, I think it was Sanders in 2016, I believe, knocked that down on the Democratic side. Uh, And uh, but again, I mean, Trump didn't accomplish much other than now we see Joe Biden, who voted for NAFTA, supported WTO, uh, talking about uh, another look at global trade. Yeah, I I think uh, we can't bury our heads in the sand. I realize that I'm I'm, I'm, uh, as practical as the next guy. But I think that there's got to be protections there uh, for health and safety and for jobs. And and I'm not sure what the end product uh, is going to look like. But uh, if if we don't have some say so, he he has said that he will be uh, the most union president ever. Um, So I'm really hoping that we can uh, uh, influence his decisions on how that's rolled out. Uh, and how we deal with the rest of the world. I agree. A lot going on. Dan McCory joining me today. It's uh, December 4th uh, from his home in California. This is Labor Lines. I'm John Andrzejczyk. Uh You can get hold of me at laborlinejohn at yahoo.com, Twitter at uh, laborlinejohn. Dan, thank you for your time today. There's a lot to cover. We, you put a lot into this 20-some minutes Um uh, we'll be in touch, uh, and until then, uh, it, thanks again. That's all I can say. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Take care. You too.